You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Hey, I'm Jay. (laughs) Let's just close our eyes for a minute. Is that all right? God, you're so good. You are so worthy. You are so wonderful. And you are fully in this place. And Father, I just thank you for every set of feet that walked through the doors this morning. Uh, for the beautiful, um, tangible presence that each of us have brought into this space. And that as your glory fills each and every one of our lives, we walk out shining in your glorious light together. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the goodness of your love. I'm so thankful for the power of the cross. I'm so thankful that you walk with us. And because of you, we are strong. We are mighty. We are wonderful warriors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I thank you that that's the position that you put us in. And we are grateful for that this morning, Lord. Amen. Well, I want to talk something this morning of strategically unpacking the prophetic promises over our lives. Now, I know you just all freaked out then because I used a word called strategy. And you're like, Chad can use the word strategy, but it's pushing it a little bit when Jay uses it. (laughs) Because my life is a little bit swirly-whirly. But you know what? Even in the swirly-whirliness, there's strategy. There really is. Some of you look at me like, are you sure? Are you sure? Let's turn to the scriptures. Proverbs 14, verse 15. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Hmm, it's interesting. Psalm 37, 23. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. The next part. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Proverbs 20, verse 24. I'm just going to go back and read my versions. I'm going to read Psalm 37, verse 23 again. It says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, though he may stumble. He will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Proverbs 20 verse 24 in this translation says, It is the Lord who directs your life, for each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of your life then remains a mystery. Let me read that again. To bring you closer to your destiny, but so much of your life then remains a mystery. I think it was Chad that said here this morning that, um, I don't know what he said, I'm not even going to try and repeat it, but in my words, that which we focus on is that which we head towards. When you are driving a car, you want to be focusing mostly out the front window, don't you? Occasionally glancing in the rearview mirror, and I've discovered you also have to look into the side mirrors. Confession, I ripped one of the doors off of our car because I forgot to look in the side mirrors six months ago. Chad loved that moment. (laughs) He was very gracious. I mean, what could he do? I just... (sighs) Anyway. (sighs) We need to focus mostly on the direction in which we are going. And so most often in a car that is going forward. 
when we plan out a journey, when we're going on a road trip, back in the day, not that long ago, we used to pull out the maps, we used to look at where we were going, and then we would mark out which route are we going to take. Nowadays, you just put it into Google, and Google comes up with a route, and hopefully it's a good one, but sometimes you get rerouted a lot with Google. So I advise going back to the maps. The maps are good. I trust the maps. Anyway, mapping out a journey is a good thing to do. It's good to know where you are headed. But isn't it true that when you map out a journey, you don't necessarily see all the steps along the way? I know that I'm going to travel through this town and this town and this town, but I don't necessarily know what that is going to look like. I don't know if during my journey I'm going to hit a kangaroo. That happens a bit here in Australia. Or an emu. We've done that before. I don't know whether my tyres are going to burst and I thought I was going to get there in two days, but it ends up taking four. Like We don't know what the journey is going to look like, but it is good to plan it out. And I think something is true of our life and of our journey with God. We don't know exactly what the steps and the day-by-day process are going to look like, and we very much need to put that into God's hands. But we also need to see through God's eyes what the future somewhat looks like in so that with the decisions that we make today are for the future. You know, if we just make decisions based on today, we can make some really unwise decisions because we allow our emotions to lead us. But if we understand that the decisions that we make today are based on the future that God has planned out before us, then we will just take a little bit of grit in some situations. We'll go, you know what, I'm really tired, but the bigger picture is, and we will push through. And this is a really great strength to have, and this is a really good skill to learn, is how to weigh up your day-to-day actions in order to see the fullness of the plan that God has for your life. In Proverbs 20, verse 24, it says, To bring you closer to your destiny, so much of your life then remains a mystery. It's okay to have glimpses of the future, but some of it is a mystery. That's the journey that I want to take you on today. Are you good with that? You know, we've been doing um, a number of mini-series at the moment. If, you're, if this is your first morning this morning in a number of weeks, we've had some preachers where we've been hearing about God speaking. We've had some preachers about hearing how we listen to God. And we're in the midst of a mini-series about acting. How do we act? I don't know. But, you know, a lot of when we hear about how to hear the voice of God, it's the ins- in the instantaneous moments and responding to God. But I want today to just broaden the picture and say, let's hear God for the bigness of our lives. I want us to zone in and focus in on our lives and hearing God for our lives this morning. But I want you to do this. I want you to do it with this in mind. God made us to be in community. God made us to be a body. He made us to be a church. And whilst he's given us very different roles, whatever we do within our life and within our journey also needs to be in relationship with those around us. And so we need to work in and through that as well. So I say that to, because I'm going to be focusing on us as individuals a lot this morning, I want to start with that framework in mind 
is that we are never individuals on our own in this journey, but we work together and we partner together. And so we understand what God's destiny is for us, but we understand what God's destiny is for us in our togetherness as well. I hope that makes sense. I'm going to start off with some scriptures. Is that a good idea? John 13. I'm trying to be clear. I could go off into some little stories and get all swirly on you, but not yet. John 13, verse 1. I shared this with our worship team this week. We've got a picture. Jesus is just about to go to the cross. He's having his last meal with his disciples. And these are the events that took place. It was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That line blows me away. This is the Jesus that had healed the sick. This is the Jesus that had fed the 5,000. This is the Jesus who had raised Lazarus from the dead. And now it is this act that is showing them the full extent of his love. Hang on a minute. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and then he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So we've got a picture here. We've got a picture of Jesus sitting at... They must have been sitting on the ground, I imagine. That's why they wash their feet, because the food is close to their feet. And after they've been traveling in the dust and dirt with sandals on, it's pretty gross. So someone needs to wash these dirty feet. And apparently the servant hasn't come. There's no mention of the servant. So any one of the disciples could have got up and offered to wash the feet. But not anyone did. Jesus did. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. That's what I say when people come near my feet. No, you will fall over under the anointing of that smell. Chad concurs. <laughs> Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet, his whole body, is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, so glad he did that, and returned to this place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. I wonder what they said if they're like, Yeah, you washed our feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Those who are going to go get the basins, you can go get them now. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was going to make you all wash each other's feet. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to. However, if you do want to do that in your connect groups this week, there is something in serving one another. There is something very powerful, and if you want to do it as a prophetic act, I encourage you to do that, because who knows what you will speak over each other's lives. Chad did it just before he proposed to me. How's that? Did you know he was that romantic? No. That's all. Um. <laughs> I love this picture. <laughs> I love this picture because sandals in the Old Testament uh, had a greater meaning than what they do now. So remember the story of Moses. Moses comes to the burning bush and um, what does God say to him? Take off your shoes, you're walking on holy ground. When... Um, in Ruth, Boaz is wanting to purchase some land so that he can have Ruth as his wife. Ruth? Naomi. Anyway, one of them. Um, he hands his sandal over. I'll actually read you the scripture. Ruth 4 verse 7 says, Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Taking off your sandal and giving it to another was like a legal transaction, sealed. What Jesus did that day was he... he I, I imagine the disciples had already taken off their sandals, but he washed their feet, held them in his hands. A demonstration of what he was about to do at the cross where he was about to remove their sin so that they began on holy ground. They began on the foundation of Jesus' hands. All that he was, they stood upon. The sandal is like a transaction. The cross was a transaction. Everything that God had laid out before Moses, all the rules and regulations cancelled. You did no longer have to do all the, um, the rituals and everything in order to get close to God. No, Jesus cancelled that. Legal transaction changed. And that is the foundation that his disciples get to begin on. So here they are sitting at this meal and they don't even understand the full context of it, but he provides them with a clean slate, a fresh foundation to start upon, and he fills their tummies with food. They leave that situation with a foundation and with a full tummy. And you know, we have that exact beginning when we come to know Christ. We get to begin our lives on the foundation of Jesus. And then as we come and as we soak in his goodness and his love and we hear his scriptures and we hear his teachings, our bellies become full. 
That is a great place to start your journey. But that's only the starting place. And so I want to take us from having full bellies this morning to laying that fullness out in front of us and walking out the journey that God has called us to. How do we know which parts of the, of the food to take and which parts belong to our lives and which part to filter our lives through? Because there is a lot in the Bible, isn't there? There's a fullness of scriptures. There's a fullness of all these different aspects of God. And how do I know what is for my life and how my life can explode into the atmosphere? Don't you like that? Explode into the atmosphere. Come on, that deserved a bit of a... Ladies, you're a bit quiet on me this morning. Try one more time. We're getting there, guys. You can help them anytime you want. Those sounds did actually come from a prophetic word that I spoke over our women. So don't get fearful when they do it. Just allow them to arise and be the mighty women that God has called them to be. Come on. So how does God speak to us? We've been hearing over the weeks a variety of different ways, but I want to just share quickly with you in case you haven't been here. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through visions, imaginations, pictures, nature, numbers, of course the scriptures, and please let everything be grounded in the scriptures, songs, saints, both in prophetic nature and in relationship, just by having friends. God speaks. But how do we know which words to take on board fully and meditate on for our lives? Well, I want to share something of that with you this morning. Are you cool with that? Dreams, visions. There are a number of us who have had those things. Um, and I include... Uh, no, I won't yet. Dreams and visions. So I want to encourage you... Sorry, I'm not being as clear as I want to be. God speaks to each and every one of us in different ways. We need to be okay with that. For some, it will be dreams and visions. And if you get dreams or visions, it's a really good idea to start um, processing what God is saying and creating a language with God. So what do I mean by that? I mean, start to understand what God is saying to you through those things by just spending time with him. And the greatest way to understand those dreams and visions is to go back to the word. Find key points in those dreams and visions and see what God has said about either those words or those themes or if there are um, people from the Bible that are mentioned, go back and read those stories and create a language with God. These days, we've got some great tools. We had our friend Adam Thompson here, and him and Adrian had written that dreams book. That's a great book to start with, but then continue to process the language that God has for you with that and with the scriptures. The same with visions. When, we, um, when I talk about imaginations, you know, one of the greatest ways that God has ever led me in my life is through my thoughts, through my imaginations. I imagine this scenario. I'll give you an example. As a uh, probably 14, 15-year-old, um, I used to constantly tell people that when I grew up, 
I was going to be, I was going to lead a home for people with disabilities in Uganda and um, my husband and I were going to pastor a church. That was my imagination. Now, my imagination was based on some of my experiences. And so that was a great place to start. And I remember my grandma sitting down with Chad when we started dating and saying, this is where Jay sees herself. Do you support her? And I can't remember what he said to that. (laughs) Probably, I hear you. Um, (laughs) I love that my grandmother did that because she validated the way that I viewed my life in the hands of God. And she validated it enough to say to the person who wanted to marry me, this is her desire, are you going to partner with that? And she had the same expectation that I'd be asking of Chad what his imaginations were and partnering with that as well. My grandmother was an amazing woman who opened a dialect which helped me to see my, um, my life further down the track than right in that moment. And that was the best gift she could have given me. What that imagination did, although that is not what has unfolded, it allowed me to have some key areas in my life to focus on. And in those focusing on those key areas, God has been able to develop so much more. So if I was to choose three main key areas from that, working with people with disabilities, going into Africa and being a pastor, those were three areas that I worked into in my life. Like I put effort and thought and... I went off to study um, disability studies. I worked um, in a number of situations with people with disabilities. Uh, As far as my church life went, I grounded myself in every church that I was in. Uh, If I volunteered for kids' church, I was one of the kids' church leaders. I did it often. If, um, If there was a youth rally that was coming nearby, I'd be like, it can't just come nearby. It needs to come to my town and I'll make it happen. Um, When we were at Coastlands, you know, whatever was asked of us, we would be there. So Saturday morning prayer meeting, we're there. Six o'clock, only morning you can sleep in. Now we're at the prayer meeting. Um, You name it, we were there. And the reason that I did that is because I understood there were key components of my life that needed to grow and develop. And the way that they grew and developed was that whilst I was not yet leading a home in Africa. (laughs) I was based in a church and I had a way to grow. Does that kind of make sense? Am I jumping ahead of myself a little bit? Key points. That was just an example of imaginations. Pictures and nature. So things like, you've heard me speak on birds before. You've heard me speak on whales, on water. You heard last week um, Joselle preaching on water and Mylene speaking on seeds and trees. And pictures can tell you something of how God speaks to you. If you are someone who sees lots of images like that, start asking God, what do they mean? What are you trying to speak to me? The rainbow is another big one that I see. I'll tell you something of that a bit later. But learn the language that God has for you. Is it dreams? Is it visions? Is it imaginations? Is it through different pictures in nature? Is it numbers? Leanne gave a great preach and she mentioned that God speaks to her through numbers. I had a great experience with one of my kids a few weeks ago where he said, I just keep seeing this number. 
And I said, all right, well, let's ask God about that number. What is that number? What does it mean? And through that conversation, we were able to have a dialect about how God speaks to him. God speaks through many different ways, and it's up to us to massage it in and to grow and to learn in that. Scriptures. We need to know our scriptures. We need to know our scriptures so when we have really hard situations, scripture comes out of us and we can hear the destiny and the plan of God over our lives louder than what the doctors are saying. True? Those who have been sick, you need to hear the declarations of God louder than what the doctors are saying. Scriptures also teach us about the heart of God. And whilst I can look at a tree and have imaginations about a tree, I don't want to just think about a tree in terms of nature. I want to know, what are you saying, God? What is the heart of what you are saying? The heart of what I'm saying when I show you a tree, because I've got a tree language with God. (laughs) I know that sounds funny. But the more that you grow in different pictures, the more when he reveals them, you understand what he's saying. And the picture of a tree is, if it's small, you know, the roots can be shallow, And it's time to kind of dig deep and get into the scriptures and grow those roots, Jay. Well, look at the tree at the moment. It's gotten large. That root system is great. You are a strong tree. Sometimes when we are feeling weak, we need to hear you are a strong tree. There are people resting on you, not because um, you're weak, but because you are a strong tree. Your feelings are lying to you, but I'm revealing something to you. You see how God can speak through these different ways? Songs. I don't know, there's probably something scientific here and I'm sure someone will tell me later. But songs help words to attach themselves to your life. Yeah? There are songs that are written on my heart and that come out of my life that I didn't even know. I don't even know where they came from. Uh, I sang a song here Thursday night. I'm like, I haven't sung that song in years. I don't even know where it was birthed. But songs are great for revealing the scripture. And um, more and more, I think we need to listen to scripture. It's kind of become a bit of a lost art. Let's go back to listening to scripture in song again. Get those old scripture and song books out. (laughs) Who's still got some? I think we do tucked away somewhere too. Songs God can speak through. And it's sometimes in random moments that you just hear a song going over in your mind. Listen to that and see what God's saying. If there's a song that regularly plays over in your mind, and I've got one in my life, be aware that it may not just be for the moment, but it actually may be part of your destiny. And the last one, prophetic. Prophetic words are not to be put in the drawer and looked up in four or five years' time to see if they came to pass. Who's ever thought that? I thought that. I've done that. Prophetic words are so that we can meditate on what God is saying and be stretched beyond who we are, beyond our thinking. Uh, Weigh up prophetic words. Not every prophetic word you you are given is for you. I wasn't told that until a few years ago. I should have done that many years ago. I say that because every now and then prophetic uh, words are given out of the soul realm. People can just feel you 
and then they give you something to kind of make you feel better because they don't like feeling you. For some of you who've never experienced that, you're like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but that is something that happens. You know, once we were given a prophetic word and it was very directional, it was great, it was part of what led us into leading Bayside. But tagged alongside of it, there was a... That's exactly what it was. And, and that held me back for 10 years. I didn't walk in the full calling of what was upon my life because of that part of the word. There was a bit of a, but your wife. Ouch. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And God's spoken to me since then about that word. But the rest of the word was. And if I had have had the wisdom to cut out the but your wife and walk in the fullness of the calling of my life, I could have saved myself a lot of years of not walking in the fullness of what I was called to. Weigh up prophetic words. In the same way, weigh up the visions that you have. Weigh up everything that God speaks to you and judge it. Sometimes your emotions get in the way of your thoughts. Sometimes what you're thinking isn't fully from God. So meditate on it. Study the scriptures and see what God is saying to you. And have friends you can speak to who know the word of God. Friends are really good for us. People that we can um, throw these ideas about to are really important. Because sometimes we need to be told that's a good idea, but it's not a God idea. Okay, so God speaks to you. Let's just take a moment, just close your eyes for a minute. I just want you to think about how God speaks to you. Is there something that's dropping into your heart right at this moment? A song that you regularly hear and have heard over the years. A scripture. Something that is told you about your life that you just can't let go of. You can open your eyes again. You know, I think it's really important to just spend some time with God. And I really want to encourage you to do it this week if you haven't done it recently. And no matter what age you are... Whatever age you are, you are still on this journey if you are here today. Don't give up yet. The journey is yours to be lived and to be lived for the glory of God. What are the main things that God is telling you about your life? Have you got two or three main themes? Write them down. Pray about them. What are you doing in your life right at this moment that is facilitating that? So, for example, the three words that I'd use for my life are freedom. Surprise! <laughs> freedom is the power of the cross. Yep. And so a lot of um, what I do, I filter through that word. Am I, being, am I free to be me? God, am I living in the fullness of that freedom? And am I releasing others into the fullness of their freedom? And for me, that's body, mind and spirit. Uh, and that's just part of who I am. I love wellness and I love wellness in all areas. I want to see people free. So you see how we can kind of pull this out and kind of grow the words that God's given us?
How have I come up with that? Well, the picture of the bird, the power of the cross incorporated, I know that freedom is something that I need to release both in myself and in other people. And then there's other things, like we got given a prophetic word, I think Chad mentioned it here recently, about being man's bridges where men um, can get to know God. We're like a bridge that gives them access to God. Okay, well, that's freedom, isn't it? That's part of freedom. And so I take that word and I, and I keep it as mine. That is, that's for my destiny. That is for my whole life. I'm to set people free. I'm to introduce them to the person of Jesus. I'm to be like a bridge. And that's an inheritance for my children as well. Um, another one that I have is soar. And soaring is about going up into the heavenlies and bringing the heavenlies down here on earth, which is very scriptural. Our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bring heaven and we release it down here on earth. That is my calling. That is what I am to do. So I do it for my destiny, but I also do it for my moment right here, my today. In every situation, I think, how can I soar? How can I release others to soar? And to be honest, I don't think about it in every situation, but I meditate on it often so that it comes to me in many situations. I hope this is okay using my life as an example, um, but I want to help you to see what will work for your life. Joy is another word that continually comes up in my life. And this actually came out of my name. Do you know that J means happy? And while I like the word happy, joy is the spiritual word. And joy is the scripture word. It's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I have to remind myself of that often. But I can look at myself in the mirror and look back at, looking back at me is joy. So this is who I am and this is who I am to express. And the days that I'm challenged with not feeling joyful, and they come. I get cross when they come, but they come. I remind myself of who I am. So what are your words? Because there's a lot of words in the Bible and they're not all for us all the time because there is a plan and a purpose and a destiny that is marked out before you. When Jesus was here on earth, he said, not my will but yours be done, Father. Have we asked God, what is your will for my life? Can we too be people who say, not my will but yours be done, Father? That's the position that I want to put us in. Okay, so take those main points. Meditate on the ways that you hear God and go through. See what becomes highlighted to you. Write them down. Pray over them. And then the way that we move forward in that which God has called us to is we invest. Chad said it here before. Our time, our talents and our treasures. You know, many of the things that we have... Um, I guess, envisioned for our lives, we've had to first plant the seeds of time, talents and treasures. Bayside came about because it was a dream that God put on our hearts. And we gave up time. Before we even started the church, we'd given up two months of working in order to um, church plant. When it came to moving down here, we put all our finances into church. And initially, when it was just like four or five families, those four or five families partnered with us and we all just poured in all our finances. And that's 
how things start. If I can encourage you in anything today, have big dreams, but start in the little. Sow into the little. Don't tell everybody your dream and hope that they give you finances so you can start in the big. God generally doesn't work like that. It happens occasionally. When we wanted to church plant, uh, when we wanted to move the church here, I, for years before it happened, had been telling Chad that we needed to do that. Years and years. Every leadership meeting. We need a bigger building. Don't you know what God is about to release? Don't you know what God is about to do? And the financial team would look at me and go, you deal with the finances. And I'd be like, no, I'm the dreamer. I give you vision. I give you big vision. Come on, go with my vision. Have big visions, but be okay to start in the small. Before we ever um, launched and came into this building, we took a faith step and purchased the chairs to see who would partner with us financially in purchasing the chairs. It wasn't like a test, but it kind of was. <laughs> in fact, we bought the carpet before the building as well. But you know, it's a big leap when you go from a building that you've got for half a day to one that you're using 24-7. Massive. All the bills are huge. And um, why do I say that? Time, talent, treasures. The things that you have on your heart, that God has birthed on your heart, may be huge. Invest in the little and expect to invest a lot. And be okay with that because God will grow it. Any decisions you make towards your life. We can make decisions very quickly in the moment, in the emotion. I've got this job. This job is okay, but I get offered this better job. And it's got more finances. And it looks amazing. But I have to shift my family to another state. But it's worth it because of the finances and this and this and this. Is it filtered through the plans and purposes that God has orchestrated for your life? Do you have written out in front of you the words that God has spoken over your life? And can you filter that decision through them and hear God for his destiny for your life? Because sometimes those short-term decisions, whilst they seem good at the time, are not good for the fullness of the picture. We need to have a good understanding of what God has spoken over our lives so that we don't make rash decisions. And we can make rash decisions about all sorts of things. We can be in a marriage and think that somebody else looks better and make a rash decision. No, 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 for the long term and for your destiny. Stay. Build well. Build faithfully. Grit your teeth and keep going. <laughs> Same sometimes with careers. You know, um, one of the pictures that I have to refer back to often, <laughs> often, <laughs> occasionally, I grew up moving often. So in the first 18, 20 years of my life, I moved every 12 to 18 months. It was just something that I was used to. It was something that I enjoyed. I loved making new friends. I loved having new experiences. I loved moving. And you know what? When we church planted down here, that thought process inside me never changed. I still loved the idea of moving. But now I've got this conflict. God's called me here and he's called me to stay here to plant a church 
and I want to keep moving. God, just let me go to Queensland. Who's thinking about that at the moment? Just let me move to Queensland. Please, Lord. (laughs) The Philippines, where it's hot all the time. Please, Lord. For me, it's like, take me back to Africa. I loved my experiences in Uganda. Please, Lord. And so there's been the occasion where I've driven out of town and just gone, I have had enough of the South Coast. God, I am out of here. And there is nothing that anybody has done. It is just purely inside me. I'm used to moving and I'm restrained and there's like this rebellious thing within me. And there have been a lot of tears. And some of you are like, I can't believe you're saying this. You're going to leave me. I haven't left you yet. I'm open to the plans that God has for me. But I'm not in a hurry to move. You good? So on one of these trips back that God just revealed a massive big rainbow. And with tears in my eyes, I just heard him remind me of the promises of this land that he had for my life. He reminded me of the generations that had sowed seeds here from my family and from my husband's family and that I wasn't to give up on this place yet. And as I was driving through that rainbow, it appeared again, it was a double rainbow, a double promise. And for me, the picture of the rainbow currently holds this memory. And so every time I see it, I go, thank you for this land, God. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for the generations that have sowed seeds. Thank you for the harvest that is coming today and it is coming tomorrow. And thank you that I'm not running away. We need signs like that to hold us firm and secure in the places that God has called us to. I said before, I used an example in imaginations from um, my past, from being young. And I think there were some key components from that that really held me solid in some of those trying years. Knowing that I was called to lead a church, I planted my life in a church, I think in a way that I wouldn't have had I not had that feeling. Working with people with disabilities, um, whilst that's not actually an industry that I'm currently in, it's still something that um, plays in my mind and there's uh, community building that I think is far extended within me because of those years that I put in at uni. There are things still stirring in me that I can't share with you today, but I think that came from that initial seed. And while I had no idea at the time, I just thought it was this, God has made it this. When it comes to um, Uganda, I have not yet been back to Uganda. But what I think God did with that was he kept us open to the nations. And, you know, I think it was within our, either our first or second year of church planning, we started going into the nations Chad had never been into the nations before he met me. I just wonder whether God used that, I'm going to be living back in Africa again, to just keep us open to moving into the nations. We didn't have finances back then. You know, that was quite often that I'd go to um, the five-cent collection before I went to Woolworths to, like, scrounge up a bit of food. But God was faithful. And we still travelled in those times. And I've got stories. I've got stories where we went into nations with no money and the way that God provided. They're not stories that I want to relive. They are stories I've had. I have been swirly, but God is very strategic. And hopefully some of you have caught some of the seeds of what I've sown. But God speaks to each and every one of us. He speaks very differently, but he speaks. 
And it's up, for us, it's up to us to allow that to grow. It's up to us to spend quality time with him, to stretch it out, to pray over it, to put our time into it, to put our treasures into it, to put our talent into it. It's up to us to each and every day, take the day, take the moment, but to take the moment with our future in mind. Chad said it before, live in the joy of the moment. We don't want to be living too far ahead. That's not healthy for anyone. You don't want to be living here and like wishing that you were there. No, no, no. You want to be living here and in this moment. I'm living in this moment. I'm enjoying this. But I want to also be preparing myself for tomorrow. And I hope that we do too. Filter your decisions, all the decisions that you make regarding your life through the words that God has spoken over you. And if you can bring them down to three or four, it makes it a whole heap easier to just think about your life. Always, like I said before, thinking about your life in terms of community too. And the prophetic is a beautiful thing. If you've got people who can prophesy into your life, we've got some training up at the moment. It's, it's absolutely beautiful, some of the things that are released. Some of the dreams that have been reinvigorated because words have been spoken. There's something about the prophetic when people are stirring up, just hearing from the heart of God. He is all about us dreaming big. And I know some of you in this room have some really cool dreams on your heart. I want to encourage you, keep standing firm. Keep moving forward. And one thing that I do, if I can't invest in something right in this moment personally for me, if I can't sow a seed so that I can <clears throat> develop in that area, I sow into other people who are doing it. There are things that I would love to see released in the community of Victor Harbour and beyond. Love, 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 love. But they're not happening yet and it's, it's not even good me speaking them out because I don't believe the people are in place yet to make them happen. So I know people doing them in other states. So I just sow money. Sow money into your dreams, whether it be into a piece of land, whether it be into someone else who's doing the work, whether it be into another person. Sow your finances. Sow your prayers. Come on, the prayer of a faithful man, sow your prayers. If you can sow your time by volunteering in an area, sow your time. My last point is this. I keep saying it. You guys are getting very quiet. Don't get too quiet. I'm almost finished. Front foot forward. The last few months, every time you've heard me pray, I'm like, come on. Front foot forward. Come on front foot forward. There have been times in this past month where I felt like I was like, ah! front foot forward. Let's just keep moving forward. I think it was, um, no, I'm not, I can't quote things, so I mustn't even try. And I haven't written it down. Let's turn to, just really quickly, 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. If you've still got your Bibles out. It says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you 
so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to a faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Oh, no, 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 no shipwrecks. There's enough shipwrecks on the coast. Come on, fight the good fight of faith. You know, fighting a battle is not so much about fighting the enemy, although there is a certain aspect to that. It's more about the taking ground. It's more about the standing shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, shield to shield. I've almost got a shield there. Marching forward together and taking land. We need to take land. We need to take spiritual land. And we need to keep fighting even if we're getting older in age. Because behind us, there is a generation and I don't want them fighting the battles that we should have fought. Come on. Do we agree? There are some battles that I've fought that I don't want my children fighting. Those battles are not theirs. They're mine to be won so that they can have freedom in the land. They're going to have their own battles. They'll have enough of their own battles. But today we take the land that God has given us. Today we don't lie down. Today we rise up. Let's rise up together. Come on. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.